yeah, I think it's just really important to like dream big, you know, like why not? Like what's stopping you? Aloha everyone and welcome to the B-Rad Podcast, the show that aims to get you one step closer to your next business milestone. We tackle marketing, entrepreneurship, social media, and of course, filmmaking and photography. And today we have a special guest, Kimberly Jeffries, who you may know as Kimberly Swimberly on Instagram. She does all kinds of amazing things in life and captures them all with her camera. So without further ado, let's go chat with Kimberly. Kim, can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up? Like what what started your your passion in getting outdoors and exploring? So I actually grew up in New York City and I had always really done a lot of travel. My mom was a single mom, so back in the 80s and 90s, which is when I grew up, it was cheaper to just send me overseas with extended family. So that's really how I got into traveling. You know, so like I'd go to Korea or I'd go to France and just hang out with family. And then later on, as I grew up into my teenage years, I did that more, but like on the community service side. So I did work with the UN in Bosnia and later I like backpacked the Silk Road through China and Pakistan. So that was really cool. And that was kind of my entry into travel. Later on in college, I ended up studying international relations. So it's it's not what you were expecting at all, I can tell. So I did that for a while. I went into like a corporate state job in DC. And then I decided that was absolutely not what I wanted to do. So I took kind of a sabbatical from life in general. Did a couple road trips across the US and then eventually landed in Hawaii, maybe like 12 years ago now, because on my mom's side of the family, when she was naturalized, her brothers decided to move to Hawaii, which was absolutely the smartest thing to do. So I came out here to just be with family. So my mom's out here, her brothers are out here. So it's nice. That's how I ended up in Hawaii. I went back to school, studied geography, And then, well, I got into diving with my current boyfriend and we really grew the diving together a lot. And then I eventually went on to a professional level. I teach scuba and rebreather and free diving, which is just three different disciplines of diving. And then as a result, we got boats and then we were doing a lot of our own exploration. I got hired because of that as like a freelance operator for a movie called Chasing Coral. And that's really kind of what kicked my career off and then put me into the photography side of diving. Very cool. (laughs) Help me set the stage for our friends online. Tell me what a typical day looks like for you and what it is that you actually do. My days are never really the same. When I'm in Hawaii, a typical day can be anywhere from like waking up really early and getting into the water, whether it's from shore or by boat. So it depends on if I'm teaching or if I'm actively shooting or if I'm just going out to see what's out there. Because I freelance, it's never really a normal life, if that makes sense. So I don't have a nine to five. So it's all really self-motivated and self-restricted like and guided. It's a little bit weird. But yeah, if you're looking for like a typical day out shooting, it's wake up early, you know, make sure that the gear is all set up. We usually do that all the night before because you're waking up at like five and getting out before the sun comes up just to get that really nice day on the water and like maximize your time. But yeah, we'll go offshore. We've got spots that we've always want to check out. You know, people tell us things and they're like, come check this out. So it's, it's pretty cool. Other than that, I mean, I spend a lot of time like 
sitting by myself editing pictures and like looking through footage and like I'm pretty curiosity driven so like if I see something and take a picture of it I have this need to know everything about it as well so I spend a lot of time like talking to scientists understanding what's going on really kind of getting a bead on what it is I'm looking at too it's curious it's like cool and different you know I get to see things that nobody else is seeing out there and it's really neat and I don't know if you consider yourself an entrepreneur but you definitely are how did you get into like even this idea where that you wanted to work for yourself and I know you said just because you had this corporate job before but now working for yourself building your own thing and kind of creating this new life for yourself yeah so basically I was in school and then school wasn't really working out so I was like I just need to take some time off and that just gave me so much time to go diving and then I worked my way up and I was like oh I want to be a better diver so I you know I did my open water then I did my advance then I did rescue and then I went on through there and then I became a dive master and then I became an instructor and then as an instructor you're allowed to you know take people out you teach you do stuff and all instructors on Oahu are actually independent contractors already so it's like a natural progress into that so I worked for some shops and did this and that but because I had my own boat I can go out and teach on my own so it was really it's just sort of a natural progression and then you know Chasing Coral came around and they hired us because we had a boat and we had an atypical schedule so they were like, hey, we need you like all day. And it has to be on this other side of the island, which is something that not many people can provide. Like the commercial companies usually have their boats in the water. They're restricted to like normal operating hours and stuff. So we were like, yeah, sure. Like something new and different. That's really cool. Why not? So that's how it kind of took off. And here I am. And the photography aspect, how did, how did that get bundled into what you offer and what you do? So the photography aspect also came as a result of Chasing Coral. You know, there were some really talented people out there and they gave me the opportunity to push camera through the water, learn about the production side. And then ultimately the project continued for a really long time and we continued to get more footage. And I didn't realize that diving has like a purpose, right? So it's not just about diving and exploring and having a good time. We should be showing people what's happening under the water as well, right? I get to see all these cool things and I didn't really put together, you know, as like stuff happens to you, you don't think about the other side where like some people have never seen the ocean before and they have no idea what coral is. Even going into that movie, I didn't realize that coral was a living organism. I thought it was a shiny, slimy rock, right? So the photography aspect and the diving aspect really went hand in hand in wanting to understand and discover and showcase what was going on underwater. That's how it came about. Wow. And and how did you, I mean, photography is not just about being in a certain place. There's also this technical side to it that you have to learn and develop. But And there's also this creative side. So it's not just taking the same pictures over and over. And talk, talk to me about the, your process of how you learned how to be an artist through this all and your, your journey in that. I actually think I approached it from a little bit of the wrong angle. I, you know, Chasing Coral had wrapped, I got paid and I had all this money burning in my pocket. And then my friend was like, oh my gosh, come to the Galapagos with me. And I was like, oh, that sounds really fun. And her trip wasn't for another year. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can wait a year. Uh, I actually have no patience whatsoever when it comes to things like that. So I was like, I'm gonna go to the Galapagos in two months and I'm gonna buy a camera and I'm gonna take really good pictures. 
and I'm gonna get a really good camera because that's what you need to take really good pictures. I had no idea that it's not really like that. So I went out and bought this expensive camera and everyone's like, no, 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 Kim, don't do this. It's like a huge commitment. And then I went out and bought an expensive housing and I read everything that I could online in like a month. And then I went to the Galapagos. And I captured some images based on what I had read from books and the internet. And then I actually went on and won some awards with some of the images from that trip. Like people say that I have like a natural eye for it or you know, this and that. But I do think it is still a combination of being in the right place at the right time and like always being in the water. But yeah, like the learning process is weird. And you know, I've also been super fortunate because I have like so many people to ask questions to and i do it's important to capitalize on the people who have already done it before because they they can tell you what works and what doesn't work it's really nice like the learning process i didn't have any formal training but i had so much other resources and options that it wasn't that difficult yeah i talked to a bunch of people about the learning process and how everybody learns in a different way my life example is always golf like you can, you can learn a lot about the technicalities of a swing and what that context should be like, but you only will learn how to swing the club well and hit the ball well if you go out and hit the ball a thousand times. Yeah, absolutely. That's how I learned the camera, and it sounds like that's how you learned the camera as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I've taken a million photos, you know, and people are like, oh, you only really truly learn how to shoot if you like learn on film and blah, blah, blah. And I don't actually think that's true. Like, I think the digital world has brought us this option of being able to make mistakes comfortably without regret. Like I've got so many really terrible pictures, it's just that you don't share those. Sometimes you do, but usually you don't. Taking pictures and being creative without regret is a big part of the learning process for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, versus like starting a brand new painting on a canvas and you're like, I have to scrap that <laughs> because it's all analog and I can't undo yeah. or redo or something. But yeah, it definitely liberates us to be creative. Talk to me about some of your next steps. I mean, you've been in photography, still photography for a while, but you're also loving video capture and moving some of these images. You even recently got some amazing footage of the whale carcass. And I mean, that blew up like crazy. Yeah, I think that's probably what people are going to consider like later on my big break, you know, like it's and it's super rare, I think, to organically have a big break like that. I don't know. Pretty new to it. But I think my next step is being able to tell stories more, you know, so like I've really enjoyed telling stories with still photographs and my own words, but I think it sounds really fun to be able to capture an entire process. So yeah, that's the next step for me. I'm slowly moving to video. I'm still really trying to figure it out, um, the jump from prosumer to professional, and that's probably why I'm here today too, is to suck information out of you so you've been super helpful it's fun i i want to tell stories i want to tell stories about what's underwater there's so much underwater that nobody's really seeing to be able to do it all and tell a story like do the diving and then shoot the video i think that's my next step is to really be able to package a whole story for people to watch and for for friends that don't know the story can you just walk me through how that whole thing happened like what what was it that transpired that i think a pilot had seen the whale floating in the ocean and it actually washed on shore and there was this like big buzz about it and we had heard that it was washing on shore so we were like oh we should go check it out like perfect opportunity and i was like yeah so we went out to look for it and we passed it unknowingly and then we spent the whole day out in the ocean 
looking for it, which was, you know, like good and bad. Like it's the ocean. It's awesome. We saw mantas that day and humpback whales, which was really cool, but no sperm whale carcass. And then on our way back to shore, we were like, oh, there it is. It's like already washed up. That was kind of a disappointment. And we were like hoping to capture whatever sharks were there. Sharks are kind of my thing. And then the next day I went out to do depth training for free diving. And I was kind of sitting around on the boat listening to the radio and I heard them tow it out and then they released the coordinates and I wrote the coordinates down, you know, continued to train. And then later on the way back to the harbor, I plugged them in just for fun. They were like, yeah, we towed it super far offshore. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. Like, whatever. It would have been really cool. Plugged it into the GPS and it wasn't as far as they said. So I told my boyfriend and I told our other friend and we were like, oh my God, we have to go look. So we did. We went out the next day and we found it right where it was. There was like no wind that week. It was like no current. It's like beautiful conditions out on the water and we we're like super stoked. And we roll up to this stinky whale carcass and we see tiger sharks and we're like, this is awesome. And we get in the water and there's no sharks for maybe like 30 seconds to a minute. This giant white shark shows up from the depths of the ocean and like feasts on this sperm whale. And my friend Andrew, who was in the water with me at the time, was just like, oh my God, Kim, like it's a white shark. And I'm like, I know exactly what that is. You know, like I've been to Guadalupe, this is what I do. Like I take pictures of big animals in the water with teeth. So we documented that and then we called our friends and they came out too, because Mark was on a different boat, Mark's my boyfriend. And then we went home and I was like, this is cool. And then I contacted some scientists. You're not gonna believe this shit. And they didn't until I sent them the pictures. And then he was like, hey, we'll ID it. And then he got back to me at like three o'clock in the morning. He's like, you just saw Deep Blue. And I was like, whatever, dude. Deep Blue has been seen a couple times in the past two decades. At the time, she is like the oldest known recorded largest white shark in existence. So it's kind of like this, you know, recurring animal that's been tracked over the years, which is cool. Like this, it's like an animal celebrity basically. So it happened. We went out again the next day, missed out on all the action because we couldn't find it. But some other people saw a white shark that night and then they actually got to ID it and name it as well. And then we went out on a third day and then there was another white shark. So it was just like three female white sharks off the coast of Oahu. And then as a result of the findings and the video, we actually got to put together a show with Nat Geo and that was released this past summer. It's called World's Biggest Great White, question mark, because there might be more out there, who knows? Yeah, it, I think it turned out really well. Like we got culture, we got history and identifications. We did science. I think it was really good. A, a lot of people just think, wow, that's a spectacle. Like you got to capture something really cool. But this goes deeper for you. You're, you love animals. You love exploring, not just underwater, but out, out in the wilderness. But how did this fascination for even capturing these majestic creatures come about? And like, what, talk to me a little bit about your passion for wildlife. I think I, you know, I come from that generation that like grew up on the yellow magazine, you know, with that yellow rectangle, like right before TV really took off. I have an Asian mother, so I did not get to watch a lot of TV growing up. I spent most of my time reading and studying. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Kumon, but I did a lot of that. It's awful. It's like the worst thing in the world. And I did it, I saved it all for the night before. So, but yeah, so my escape was, you know, like a Nat Geo magazine or like a documentary on TV, which is not much different from my life right now. 
And then growing up in New York City, I think I spent most of my time in Central Park or the bookstore like Barnes and Noble. So I think it goes back to that. It's a little bit of a rejection of this digital world that we live in. Like nobody else gets to see this stuff. And like, I think that if people see these animals and maybe there's a story behind it and they can connect with it a little bit better, maybe they'll be more interested in it. So like I'm providing access for other people to see what's happening and what's going on out there. So I think that's kind of my fascination and my drive. Well, what are some of your favorite, most memorable animals or things that you've captured along the way? Well, there's, okay, so there's Deep Blue and then Howley Girl. Those are the two great whites that I got to document off Oahu. That was really amazing. There are giant schools of hammerheads in Galapagos. That was really, really amazing to just see like hundreds and hundreds of sharks swimming over your head. I swam with orcas in the Galapagos. They were eating a green sea turtle. That was really cool too. I really like to see nature when it's acting natural. Does that make sense? Without too much human interference. I know it's like a kind of silly thing to kind of aspire for because like there's so much human interference. There's It's impossible to find animals that haven't been subject to or influenced by us in this world anymore. Like our reach and scope is so big. That's what I really like. So I recently went on a dive in Tahiti where we just got to sit on the bottom and watch sharks feed, which was like the most amazing thing ever. And their reef is so healthy and well-maintained and taken care of that it's really amazing, but it's also alarming because I come back here to Hawaii and everyone thinks of Hawaii as this like beautiful place with gorgeous coral reefs and um, tons of animals and the reality is it's not like that. So out of some of the, de- and I've been super lucky to get to go to really crazy, amazing destinations, but Hawaii is not one of my top destinations for diving, which is horrible for me to say, and I'm gonna get a lot of flack for that, but it's true. We don't take care of our reefs. We're not even required to have fishing licenses. There's no oversight, there's no management. It's just, you know, take, 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 take. So what are we actually bringing back to Hawaii? But anyway, that goes away from your original question, which is, what do you like to see? But, you know, that's, it's my drive is like, why aren't we doing more conservation efforts in Hawaii? What's keeping us back? We're a tourism destination that's not taking care of our natural resource at all. So that's alarming to me. Other things that I really like, I recently got into birding um, because my underwater housing went for service. So I had to find another hobby for like two months and I got into birding and I read all these birding books and I wanted to go find an endemic Hawaiian bird, not just like a cardinal or a pigeon, you know, all birds matter, but I wanted to see the endemic native birds that are threatened by climate change. And so I've been hiking all around the island with my friend looking for birds. So like that's super rewarding to me because we actually did find this bird and it's a amakihi. Um, it's a little, yellow and green bird up in the mountains so that was really memorable to me but i personally love all of the macro stuff you've done too i mean because you get to see stuff that's bigger than some houses you get to also appreciate these tiny little creatures that no one will ever really care about but i do i really like the extremes i guess i really like the macro stuff it's a really big challenge because everything that i shoot is usually just like wide and kind of spontaneous spur of the moment kind of encounters so the macro is a little bit different it's a little bit more meditative and focused i spend a lot more time with one animal as opposed to just a fleeting moment so it's it's a little bit different 
I'm glad you like the macro stuff. Not many people like it. Yeah, it's beautiful because it's the things that we, we just pass by without really thinking about. And, and that stuff actually makes up like our, our coral reefs. And that's how things stay healthy is because there is that natural ecosystem. That, yep. And, and I, I love that stuff. Yeah, it's like a complete balance. Everything, everything is necessary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I recently got to look at file clams, which sounds really not exciting, but they're really cool. And they've got sticky tentacles and this and that. And they're like bright orange. And you'd never guess, but like this little pea-sized thing is super cool. And they like jet propulse around, which is fascinating. So <laughs> The amazing things that you get to see and experience every day that most humans never will. I'm super fortunate that I have somehow managed to make a career out of what I love. Yeah. And um, just for us humans without the superpowers, like what are some of the, the tips? Because there's a lot of people who come to Hawaii that want to go see stuff. And because they, they're they not familiar with the water, well, what are some of the first tips you, you tell people about diving or even decompressing or depressurizing your ears or any of that stuff. How do people actually get down six feet or 12 feet or? Okay, so while the instructor side of me is like, take a class, it's safe, that's what you should do. It's not just about how deep you can go, but whether or not you're coming home, right? So that's the instructor side. The more realistic side is like, oh, you're coming to Hawaii for like a week. You don't have time to take a three-day course, which is gonna be really boring and just full of like this and that. Safety is always a really big concern, but the thing is, is chances are you don't really have to go deep to actually film anything um, most of the expeditions that i do are like they're called freediving expeditions but everyone's just floating on the surface so it's about you know being comfortable in the water and that's the other thing is is i think people try to task load a little bit too much in the water so it gets a little bit uncomfortable I think it's really important to like make sure that you can snorkel normally before you like take the GoPro out. It's like walking in the street with your cell phone, you know, like you're doing something, but you're not aware of everything else that's happening around you. And I find that so many people are really missing out on the actual experience of being in the water because they're so fixated on that Instagram moment where they're like, I have to take this selfie with this humpback whale so that everybody knows that I experienced this moment. It's not, that's not what it's about. And it is for some people, but and I'm not like trying to hate on that, but like, just let yeah. the moment happen. Yeah. It's not about like capturing the moment. You sure. know, that'll happen, you know? Yeah. And we, we talk about that as well. Like the moment itself is precious. Yeah. Um, you don't want to so waste it. And, and sometimes you just want that for yourself. Yeah. But I think we find sometimes joy in other people's admiration. Yes. And that's become a real part of our culture, and we all struggle with it. But yeah, I, I love that. I'm going to fire off some rapid-fire questions for you. Okay. Okay? One piece of gear that you couldn't live without. Mask. Steak, sushi, or salad? Mm, sushi. Netflix, Hulu, or theater? Netflix. Coffee, tea, or water? Coffee. Truck, SUV, or car? Truck. What's, what's new for you in 2020? Ooh, I think 2020 is when I really make the video like commitment. I'd like to produce some shows and like really put together my own story. I think I might have the opportunity to do that in the near future. But yeah, 2020 is that's going to be new. I also might do snow leopards in 2020, which is like, <gasps> wow. oh my God, that's really cool. Really cool. Super cool. So really taking that plunge, that next step into video capture. Yes. Is 2020 for you. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's my 2020 commitment. Very cool. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of photographer friends who've just kind of really stuck to that discipline and 
kind of dipped their toe into the video capture space, but never really fully jumped in. No, I think I'm going to take the plunge. Yeah. Yeah, it's happening. And, and for you, it's really about the ability to storytell deeper. Right. Yeah. Because I can tell a story with a picture, I think, um, and some words, but I would really like to put it all together, possibly into something longer, like a, like a feature or something. But yeah, I just want it to be educational. And anyway. Excellent. You know, there's, there's a little girl out there right now, a little boy out there right now that's like, I love what you do, Kim. G- give me some tips on what I can do either to, to push myself towards that direction or just how do I find my passion and do that? I think that if you just keep at it, it'll really happen. Like, I hate to be the one who's like, oh my God, fairy tales really do happen, but it did happen, you know, for me. And it's confusing but if you just kind of stick to your grounds and like i had a lot of people who when i bought my camera they were like oh why don't you just take a gopro and i was like yeah i'm gonna take a gopro too but like i really want to take some pictures it's important to just be super confident not and not to the point where you're like overconfident but it's your passion so like who is anybody else to stop you from that and like tell you no you know like obviously there are like logistical issues for a lot of things um and financial like barriers and boundaries but if there's anything I've learned in the past three years is that like nothing's impossible. Every time I like set a goal and achieve it or do something else, uh, I'm always like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened. Like, what's the next thing, you know? So like, it's important to set goals that are realistic, but also to understand that nothing is unrealistic. I love that. You know, I think it's just really important to like dream big, you know, like why not? Like what's stopping you? So. And we live in a time where that's not just for the Nat Geos of the world, but for, for anyone. anybody. What's crazy is that there's still stuff that hasn't been done out there too. And that's pretty important to me. I keep bringing it up, but like, it's so important to get out there and not do the same Instagram shot that everybody's done before. Like don't Absolutely. make other people's dreams your dreams. That doesn't make sense. Very, very cool. I, I love this episode. And um, I, I could talk to you all day about this stuff. Um, any any last things that you would want to share? Mm, no, I'll probably think of stuff at like two o'clock in the morning and I'll send you a message. But Sounds good. Well, that wraps us up for this episode. Thank you so much for being here yeah, and sharing your, sharing your experience with the rest of us. It was really fun. Thanks. Thank you. And that wraps it up for this episode of the BRAD podcast. If you're as inspired by Kimberly's story as I was, then you're going to love what we've got coming up. More artists, more entrepreneurs on this podcast. And if you've got any other topics or guests that you want us to feature, make sure you find me on Instagram or Twitter at Brad Watanabe and connect with me there. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, aloha.